I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wheelhouse DNA. What I see, I think, happen a lot is that people allow the grief to make them jaded or angry or shut off that bit of themselves that they gave to somebody who's maybe not here anymore. And I think that that is sort of the ultimate disservice, right? Because the whole point of feeling that grief is that you felt so much love that now it's, you know, it, you, you're not getting it back. Grief is love unreturned. And, and it is. And so, like, if you allow yourself to be shut down then by that grief moving forward, like, you have experienced all of the pain without keeping any of the good stuff. From Wheelhouse DNA and Acast, this is Comfort Food, a show about life, loss, grief, celebration, and the meals that support us through it all. I'm your host, Kelly Rizzo. This month, I invited guests to the studio to celebrate my late husband, Bob, and we're continuing that tradition today with one of his favorite people. Jody Sweeten is an actress and a TV personality, in addition to being an absolute force for good in the world. She's been an incredible support to me since Bob's passing. I'm so grateful to her for her love and compassion over the past two years. So without further ado, please join me in welcoming Jody Sweeten. Jody, oh gosh, I am so happy to have you here, especially I was just telling you that this is a very special month because obviously it's the two-year anniversary of Bob's passing and yeah. we were having some of the closest people to him on the mm-hmm. podcast this month. And of course, you are one of those people who not only loved him so dearly, but also knew him almost your entire life. Almost my entire life. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I always say this, but I don't really have a lot of memories in my life that I can pull up easily that exist before, you know, the Full House family was a part of them. And then most of my childhood memories are, you know, a lot of them take place on set or with those people. So yeah, it's been my, my whole life. Since you were four? Four or five? Uh, Almost five. I think we did the pilot table read when I was like just shy of five. Um, So yeah. And I'm, you know, going to be 42 next week. So unbelievable. Whatever the mathing is on that 37 years. Yeah. I remember when I first met you guys, it was right around 30 years almost. Yeah. I remember when Fuller House came out, it said like 29 years ago. Yeah. 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 29 years. And then I met you guys. Season two of Fuller House. Yes. So, so yeah, yeah, 30 years later. Yeah, it's a 87 is when it aired. So like 86 is when we all met. So interesting. I was just having a conversation actually on a podcast yesterday where they brought up again, and you hear this all the time, how special and unique and unusual it is mm-hmm. that you guys truly had a real relationship that not only existed at the time while you were filming, but has existed over the past 30 plus years. has continued to exist. And, you know, we we did a a live, it was just like a a live stream thing that we did kind of amongst a group of us that were talking the other day about Bob. 
you know, the cast members. I saw that. That was and, so wonderful. Um, you know, it, like, I just can't imagine, like, my life without these people in it. They're just, they're always there. It's like, they're family, you know. it's I might not see them all the time, but they are a, a part of my life and have been forever. Uh, and I, yeah, it's it's just such a, and I also, you know, I don't think as a kid I really understood, A, just how incredibly huge um, Full House was, right. not just in the U.S., but like kind of all over the world, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but that the experience that I had on that show, it was so positive and so wonderful. And, you know, from our producers down, everyone really enjoyed having us kids on set. And like, it, it, we were a family. We were close-knit. Everyone looked out for each other. The adults included us you know, in things and included our parents. Like now I hear about, you know, other kids on shows that I grew up, that, you know, were around the same time as as Full House. And and I realized like that wasn't necessarily the case on every set. Right. Um, and so I, you know, some people were like, oh, you know, what do you think about child stars? I'm like, to be honest, I <laughs> think I have maybe a slightly skewed view because it went really well, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. I mean, all things considered, I... I had a great time. And it really was because, you know, people like Bob and Dave and John and Lori always made that set a family and made us a part of that family. Yeah, Bob would show me, like, when, even when we first started dating, he would, you know, you guys were always on a group chat, like a group <laughs> text. Group text, yes. And he would show me his phone and he'd be like, look, Full House is real. Like, yeah. it's real. <laughs> and He's like, we're really a family. You know, you don't understand. Like, we really love each other. And then he, you know, always throw in. He's like, you know, John and I, we didn't love each other, like, in the beginning. No, they but did not. we love no, each other not. now. Right, yes, right. exactly. And so, but, and he always spoke so interestingly of, of you girls, but especially you two, because, you know, you, as he would always say, and as everybody knows and everybody says, like, you had such massive comedic chops like from <laughs> such a young age that I think even as an actor like he just respected you so much even as a as a child a small child that he was like no 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 like she's he looked at you as a peer even he, from day one he really did and honestly I you know I say it all the time but like I owe so much of my um sense of humor and comedy uh, to being informed by Bob. I'm sorry. I know. Well, yeah. <laughs> much to my mom's disappointment. Um, you know, and I... And, Are you okay? Uh, no. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I present well. Um, but my, my parents, you know, they were funny people and whatever and loved it. But like, they weren't stand-up comedians and they weren't Bob, you know? Okay. And so it was like I had this influence of someone around me. And, and my brain worked very much... Like Bob's, like we, you know, in a group text or at notes or whatever, he and I were always the ones that were, you know, derailing the conversation or, at, you know, had a, had a joke or some smart-ass comment or a thing. And, you know, I'll never forget, he and I would go at each other, not at each other, but like he'd be joking and, and I'd say something. I'd be like, oh, shit. I'm going to have to text him later about that because I know he took, like, it would, you could just tell all of a sudden he'd be like, hmm. And you're like, oh, no. And then it would be, you know, Well, he Bob, was very sensitive. Very sensitive. And he'd be like, I love you, Bob. I know. No, I know. I just thought that maybe, you know, I didn't. I was like, no, it's okay. Everything. <laughs> but then it would be, 
a 2,000 word essay about right. why he took it personally. Right, right, or right. Why. And, like that, and, right. And you're like, I'm, oh, I've moved on. It's okay. It's totally fine. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that was the whole, you know, beautiful enigma of Bob was <laughs> right. that he was so sensitive. Yeah. And so deep and, you know, just this kind of big ball of mush. Yeah, but absolutely. Then he would also be very tough. Oh, you know? yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, but I, 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 I am always grateful that I got to grow up in that environment because um, I learned that, you know, it's uh, it's okay to be the class clown and it's and it's okay to be you know the quick one that's observing everything and making some little you know smart ass comments. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's why it's just kind of touching on what we talked about a minute ago was I, I'm just still always really fascinated by the fact that you all grew up in this environment. But even though you were kids and you were children, that you were still on the same level with these, you know, adult actors and they respected you and loved you and treated you as if you were adults in a sense where that's why now you're all able to have these wonderful adult relationships. I, I think, you know, that we were so lucky in that. And I, and I said this to Jeff Franklin the other day that we got like, we got a group of adults, young adults, because they were in their 20s, um, who were family people, but maybe didn't have their families yet. Mm-hmm. But that was who they were at their core. So they weren't the t- type of people that were going to shut the kids out and that would be like, Ugh, I don't want to be around them. They were- right. They all loved kids. They all loved kids. They loved family. They came from family. They Like that was a part of who they were. They, you know- when we first met, they wanted kids, you know, all of those things. So and I guess like, Bob was the only one who had, because Aubrey was born in the beginning. Aubrey was born but, in the beginning, but, yeah. But just Aubrey at the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it was like seeing how they were with us was just who they were. And I think that that made a huge difference because it wasn't like there were any adults there who were trying to get away from the kids. And they also, you know, they they really understood that the show was about the family, not the adults. It wasn't just a kid's show. It was about the family interactions. Right. And so they made it as much of a family as, you know, as it was. Yeah. And the lines between reality and show were very blurred <laughs> in the sense because I remember Bob would show me pictures or, you know, he would, you know, we'd go through old photo albums right. and stuff and he'd be like, this is Aubrey's, you know, third birthday. And look, here's Jody and here's Candace, you know. Oh, and, yeah. And you guys were in all Spend these real the family. Yeah. He's like, oh, we would have sleepover and, just, yeah. and Jody would come sleepover. I'd come sleepover and- with, with Aubrey and Laura. And oh my gosh, I like, I remember staying at the, the first house that I remember staying at. And I remember like blueberry pancakes in the morning. And like, it was just, I, I remember being a part of his family and like his extended family yeah. and his kids. And yeah, it was, um, and you know, him having his daughters and sort of reflecting that in real life was just very funny. Yeah. And I love, I just love that you guys are all still so close to this day, which made things so, I mean, even though it was obviously the worst, most horrible, hardest thing I've ever been through, having you all as an extension of his family and thus my family was just so comforting and so special. And so I'm always, and I'll say it forever and ever that I'm so grateful to all of you you know, who have been there for me throughout this entire 
ordeal and, you know, hopefully vice versa. Yeah. Um, I mean, you were one of the first people at our house that day. You were there just an hour, two after, if that. Just a couple hours after, yeah. You were one I, of the first people there. And yeah, I walked in the driveway and I, the first person I saw was um, was Mayor. And I, I remember he just like gave me a giant hug and it was like... It, it, Jeff, I saw Jeffrey Ross and... Yeah, it was you, like, Candace, Lori, and John, I mean, and other John and, yeah. and Jeff were like the first people there. We the and so one, yeah. when people hear that, they're like, wait, so it really was, you know, this entire cast was there, was, but they were family that family, were yeah, really like, being there for just, each other. I was like, I'm sorry, I have to drop everything in my life right now. And that's like, I'll just be there. Yeah. Um, and it was... Like you said, it was one of the hardest things to go through. But I will always remember some really incredibly beautiful moments that came out of that yeah. and connection and support. And, you know, I think we all, and we would say it over and over again when we were there, we were like, oh, Bob would be so happy right now. He would, he's so bummed he's missing this. You know, yeah. like he would so want to be here and he'd be taking all the credit and he'd be so thrilled that everyone's here. And, you know, and it was true. And so I think in that we kind of came together and, and we're able to support each other because we all knew that it's exactly where he would have wanted us to be. Yeah. I remember sitting out on the patio one night all smoking cigars. Yeah, and we all smoking a celebratory cigar and, you know, and just thinking about Bob. Yeah. Well, cigars can can be therapeutic in uh, these situations. So can food. Yeah, and of course, we're going to get back to some of these really important topics, but I'm taking a little break here because okay. this is called comfort food. Yes. And your comfort food is one of my favorites, too. Yes. And we're going to bring it out here in just one second. But I want to know, like, why, explain what your comfort food is and why this is so comforting to you. Like, did it, was there a specific memory from, like, your childhood? I just always, I, like, grilled cheese in general, was one of the things that I would eat when I was little. And there was like a very, like a limited handful of things. It was like yogurt, grilled cheese, um, you know, a couple other things. You were a picky eater? Well, I wasn't a picky eater. I just had things that I really liked. And basically, like as a toddler, I'm pretty sure I survived on like Yo play pina colada yogurt for like a year and a half of my life. <laughs> I'm definitely not picky. I'll try anything, but once I have the things that I get in the routine of, that's just what I like. And so you know what you like. I know what I like. And like a grilled cheese when I was little, I just it was my mom would always make it and like you know on Roman meal bread, like nothing fancy, you know American cheese, but it was like it just made me feel. Oh, like a, it's like a blanket, you know what yeah. I mean? And and like as I've gotten older, just tomato soup and grilled cheese, it's what I want when I'm cold, when I want to feel comforted, when I want to feel warm. Like it just, something about it to me, I I associate it with being taken care of. It's like Campbell's, like tomato soup. Yeah, like, like the, Campbell's tomato. Like okay. very, this, wasn't like this very, is this was nothing bougie not fancy, fancy yeah. about it at all. This is like, you know, tin can Campbell's tomato soup and like as just it was plain Roman meal yeah. and some American cheese and like not gonna lie, that's still kind of the best get down. You so know? do you make this for your girls? Uh, I will sometimes. They're not as into the grill. My especially B, like she's not as much of a cheese person. Zoe, yes, but they don't really like. They're not like huge into the grilled cheese. 
Zoe's moved into it a little more recently. There's well, the a tomato place soup I, can be a little dicey for a kid, too. They yeah, might be like, ugh. Yeah, the tomato soup is not a thing. And also, my husband hates tomatoes. <gasps> and so tomato soup is not oh, a thing for him. So it's not, what? yeah. <gasps> oh, I my know, God. Oh, it looks thing. amazing. I haven't, I literally haven't eaten all day. So. <gasps> oh, no. my God. I'm so excited <gasps> to feed you, then. Oh, yes. Thank I'm you. I'm so glad I wore my lightest pants for this. This is gorgeous. Thank Look at you. This. this is, I will say this. Far prettier than the grilled cheeses that I make for myself. Now, is Bob, like, the closest person to you that you've lost? I mean, let's say besides maybe grandparents. Grandparents, yeah. But as far as, um, as far as someone that I've known like that my whole life, that I've been super close to, that I, yeah, he's probably one of the closest people that I've lost. I mean, I, both of my parents are still alive, thankfully. Um... But, you know, he was always sort of one of my uncles, a TV dad, extended family, you know. So, yeah, he's probably the closest person I've lost. Um, and he was also that guy that like you never thought was going to go anywhere. He was always there. He was always, like, planning something. He was always busy. He was, you know. But, yeah, it is, it, it's, you know, it's one thing, I think, when we lose grandparents or we lose people, you know, who we, we know it's, Coming, but when it it just sideswipes you out of nowhere, um, that reminder and uh, that life changes in an instant, like it's so much more shocking, you know. And right. um, and I think that was it too. Is it was like it was Bob. He was you know he was like that. He was just bigger than life, right. and that's how everybody would describe him. And uh, and yeah, so it's those those are the sorts of people I think that. You know, you forget, you know, that we're all just human and the, the our existence is temporary. <laughs> right. And what I want to touch on a bit, because your story and just your background and everything you've been through is so interesting. And there are a lot of parallels, I think, between, let's say, a recovery route that you've been in for mm -hmm. decades now. I mean, right? on and off, yeah, it's been quite a while. Yeah, and and then grief in terms of, like, the parallels of just tools that you need to cope, tools you need to get through, tools to get through a tough time, how to, you know, when you're going through something difficult, how to relate to people, how to, you know, and obviously the show is not just about grief. It's just about, right. you know, people going through tough times in general and how to help other people going through those difficult times. So what would you say in your journey prior to grief of, let's say, losing Bob, right. were some of like the best tools that you used to really get through that maybe could even relate now to the, to somebody grieving? You know, I, and I'll, I will be 100% completely honest. I'm not always great with grief. Grief is a, an emotion that I think we all struggle with. It's a, it's uncomfortable. It's, um, and it's not easily definable, you know, because it changes shape. It, yeah. it Sometimes it looks like anger. Sometimes it looks like hurt. Sometimes it looks like uh, all sorts of things. Um, and so we wrestle with it, I think, in a lot of ways. And we expect it to look a certain way. And I think one of the most important things that I have just come to realize over the years is that grief looks completely different on everyone. And there is no 
right way to grieve. There's no wrong way to grieve. There's no right way to feel. There's no wrong way to feel. It, you know, the wonderful and amazing and really complicated thing about the human experience is that you can feel really great and really terrible at the same exact time. And I think, you know, with grief, we always expect it to be um, painful. And when we have those moments where we're all gathered together and there's a moment to laugh or there's a moment to remember and let yourself walk down, you know, the path that's sort of next to that abject grief, but that's over here on the side that walks parallel, but is maybe a little less painful you know, you're allowed to take that path too and and then come back. And I think looking at grief as also as a, a thing that does isn't linear. You know, I my um my my best friend Celia um lost her sister um who was 42 when she passed to to cancer. And um you know watching her walk through that too and not having known her sister really well, but being like a sister to to Celia and ha- you know wh- and going through this, I think one of the most important things I learned is that like it just it, let it spill everywhere. You know, don't worry about cleaning it up. Don't worry about what it looks like. It's messy, um, and it's not. You know, just because you've gone so far down in this direction doesn't mean you might not turn around and come back to that same spot a little later. And so true. You know, and and I think we have this pressure that we put on ourselves when we're grieving to either grieve in a way that other people find acceptable or to not grieve at all. Um, and, you know, those are two ends of the extreme, but there's so much gray area in between of where those two things uh, intersect. And... You know, I, I, I've had to learn a lot of patience with myself and sometimes, you know, patience with others because I think we all, you know, we can look at somebody and be like, oh, that's, you shouldn't be doing that right now. You should be. And, and you know, grief isn't that. Grief is, it, it, it does so many disruptive things in our lives and it also shakes the snow globe up and makes us completely reassess and reevaluate things in a way that I don't think anything else does because it's such an uncomfortable experience. The only way through it is to kind of reshuffle everything and move forward. And that's a lot like sobriety. You know, it's, it's so uncomfortable, but the only way to do it is to just shuffle the deck, start over and keep going. And, you know, throughout my journeys of of sobriety and through, and just life in general, you know, I, I'm the thing I'm trying to work on this year is being, um, more patient and gracious with myself and with others. Um, because, you know, having walked through so many of these things, you realize that, that it's all temporary and the good, the bad, the, all of it can get mixed together and that's okay too. You just said, I'm not very good with grief, but I'm like, uh, you kind of sound like you're almost an expert in the way you just described it. Because that was very brilliant, very explanatory in terms of really putting into words where you just said, like, you can walk down a path or you can walk down a path right next to it. I mean, just I'm like, um, I think maybe 
those years that, you know, you were just talking about, you know, in recovery and sobriety really did give you a lot of tools and kind of prepare you with patience and being kind to yourself and really just understanding a difficult life journey, whether it's grief or any, you know, you know, we've both been through divorce, you know, anything, anything like that. You just have to be kind to yourself and like give yourself some space and grace and just know that it's going to look different for everyone. Yeah. And also like, I mean, is cursing okay on this podcast? Yeah. Okay. I mean, I figured, you know, of course. Um, I, I just, I also feel like we are so, we're so determined to, to, you know, it's really hard to save face and be emotional because it's not pretty. When we are truly and genuinely expressing ourselves and expressing our emotion, whether it's anger or grief or happiness or whatever, it oftentimes is not the way someone else would do it. And like learning how to just not give a fuck what it looks like to other people um, is something that I really try and do and also that I wrestle with. You know, one of the things, and I was talking about it the other day, actually, one of the things that I will always regret. uh, Actually, no, that's not true. I don't regret it. I wish that I had been able to fight through some of my my anxiety after Bob's service to make it to Jeff's. But I also know in that moment, I was having severe anxiety and there was 500 people on their way to Jeff's. And I was like, I was with my family. I was there at the thing. I need to give myself this space. Yeah. And... You know yourself. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, when you need to have those moments and have those, those times when you need to take your own space and take that for yourself, um, you know, I struggle with it still, but it, it, you have to allow yourself to know, like, you are doing everything you're capable of at the moment, and you don't have to be capable of doing all of it. Right. You know, I wish I could have been there because I know there was, you know, wonderful speeches and all of these things. But at the same time, I went home and I looked through old photos and I thought about Bob and I wrote and I, you know, did things that helped me walk along that roadside of of grief uh, in a way that felt safe for myself. Yeah, it was healthy for you. Yeah. John's got it on video, so you John's, can always yeah, watch exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. I can always watch it. But, you know, my anxiety is not always a fun monster to deal with. But I think it's something that I've learned over the years is there sometimes is a little bit of self-protection and like, okay, how do I honor that piece of me too? So, you know, if you're if you're grieving or you're going through something and, you know, you just feel completely overwhelmed and you kind of shut down, like, take a moment. Yeah, we're always so caught up in what we think other people are going to think and always wanting to, you know, and I, I get this from from my mom, uh, who's such a people pleaser. Right. right. Oh, you yes. always want to, I mean, in like me growing, I know people who have grown up in families who, you know, their mom was the one that it's like, oh, she's going to complain at the restaurant and she's going right, to, you right, know, right. send food back or she's going to like tell it like right. how it is. And that was not my family. My family was like, oh, don't, you know, you be people pleaser, right, hostess right, right. with the mostess, right. everyone yep. has to. Yep, yep. And so right. in grief, you can't always control all that stuff. But I still 
was very much in that vein of like, well, don't, you know, you don't want to show something too over-emotional because right. you don't want people to either think you're crazy or out of control. Right. You always want to be in control. And, and, and yeah. but sometimes that's just that. not very how it similar, goes. Very similar um, mom. And I think also it's, you know, sort of that generation of still like, as long as the outside's looking nice, we get, you know, we'll deal with the other things on the inside and we'll, mm-hmm. you know, keep that to ourselves and, you know. Um, right. And I think I am, have tried a little more to kind of buck that rigidity because it doesn't feel like the way I need to express myself. And I think a lot of us feel like that. And yeah, it's it's messy. You can't please everybody. In fact, you're going to disappoint people all the time. You know? <laughs> it feels really good, though, when you can be your, like, true, authentic self and just let yes. it all out there. Like, yeah. if you're, if you Fucking just want to cry like, or scream or, or, just or sit still or say something that sounds crazy and all the people around you just get it and they yeah. appreciate you and accept you for, and then you're like, oh, my God, I let it all out there. And... It's okay. And it's like okay. nobody, yeah. nobody judged me. Right. Nobody shunned me. Like I still have friends and a family. <laughs> you know what I mean? We are all a lot more alike in those ways than we think. And so, you know, when we allow ourselves to be more genuine and who we are, um, I think it gives everyone around us permission to do the same, mm-hmm. you know? And so when you're with, people that you trust and that you love, like we were after Bob passed, you know, we were able to be there and be present and be emotional and sit quietly and talk and laugh and, you know, walk through all of those things. And I, I never once felt like there was anybody there who, you know, was not completely accepting of where, just where we all were at the moment, you know? And that mm-hmm. was a really beautiful gift. Yeah, I remember feeling in the moment that, you know, because I was pretty hysterical. But I remember being like, well, I want to make sure everyone else can let their emotions out too. Like, I don't want anyone, I didn't want anyone to think that they had to hold it together for me, you know? Right. I wanted, like, I was letting it out there and I was like, okay, hopefully this gives permission for everyone else to do the same. Right. And I think it, and I think it does, you know, I think, um, and I also think we take turns with it, you know? We, we hold each other up when when one of us is falling apart and then we get to take the breath and then we get to do it and have somebody else hold us up. And, you know, that's that, um, you know, that, that bond and that, uh, connection that you get with other human beings going through similar experiences is that sense of support and solidarity and that, you know, I've got you when you don't have yourself. And it was such a beautiful group of people that were there that really did I mean we all we had each other and you're right everyone did kind of take turns I remember there were times that you know I would catch my breath for a few minutes and somebody else would start crying I'd be like no it's okay you know like and then you everyone kind of comforts each other and exactly and we all you know and then I'm sure there were some inappropriate jokes made along the way thousand percent lots and um you know it was I, I just think that so, you know, with, with emotions that are uncomfortable and, and as a, you know, people pleaser, hopefully post, you know, 
people pleasing. <laughs> You're in recovery from. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, you know, I have my days when I'm better at it. And I have my days when I'm like, I am doing what I want to do and what's good for me. And then, you know, there's days where you're like, oh, I'm not doing enough. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing it right. I'm not, you know. Um, but I, I think that we expect so much of ourselves. And particularly now that we live in an age where your, all of your emotions and all of your things are supposed to be put out for public display. Right. You know, we have confused, what's the word? That, you know, the ability to, to put it out there doesn't mean that that is the genuine connection. And so we want to put out sort of these, you know, more sanitized versions of what grief looks like or what pain looks like or whatever. And, you know, sometimes that's stuff that you just kind of have to work through on your own. And, it, you know, it's not for, public consumption. It's for you and your journal and your writing and, you know, just the journey of grief and sobriety and shedding old things and letting new things, you know, come through is, um, it's a really important journey. And I think, you know, we need to honor it as we go through it because we're all going through it in different ways. Yeah. Or everyone's going to go through it at some point. Everyone's going to go through it at some point. Um, uh, grief on, on any scale is, you know, whether it's a breakup or it's a death or, it, you know, there's so many yeah. different kinds of grief and so many different kinds of ways to walk through it. What I see, I think, happen a lot is that people allow the grief to to make them jaded or angry or shut off that bit of themselves that they gave to somebody who's maybe not here anymore. And I think that that is sort of the ultimate disservice right because you know the whole point of feeling that grief is that you felt so much love that now it's you know it, you, you're not getting it back right what do they say that grief is just love grief that doesn't is love unreturned have, right and it and and it is and so like if you allow yourself to be shut down then by that grief moving forward like you have experienced all of the pain without keeping any of the good stuff right which is why I wanted to have these conversations in the first place, because especially the topic of grief, it's a topic that people don't like to talk about. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to talk about it. It's, in a sense, upsetting. It's so little taboo. And it's not a fun topic. And usually even a lot of conversations about this are just very, you know, they're from people who have gone through something you know, it's like a support group. Like they just right, right. lost somebody and like right. everything's so heavy. And I was like, right. how can we have these? And like, just make it a little bit more lighthearted and, and talk about these things so that way it can actually get through to people because people need this information, right. but nobody wants to talk about it. So no, like, how nobody wants to talk about it. Get and the word out there in a, in a way that makes it more approachable, you know? Yeah, nobody wants, nobody likes talking about grief. Nobody likes experiencing it. Everyone just sort of likes to gloss over it and, you know. Right. Um, but, you know, talking about grief and, and like, just the messy human experience as it is, like, I love that. I think I, 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 mm -hmm. I am so grateful that I have been through some shit to come out to the other side and be able to, like, have a different perspective on things or a different story or, you know. Um, you can help so many more people because if you're, with what you've been through, if you now come across somebody who went through any one of the number of tough things in their life that you've gone through, now you can speak from experience and actually give them 
helpful advice or just empathize more genuinely right. than, right. you know, just compiling some textbook answers if you've never gone through any shit in your entire life. I'd like to meet that person who's never gone through any shit in their entire life. I yeah. mean, that's impressive. Yeah. Well, they, they, <laughs> they, they exist. They do exist. Well, that, and- yeah, that's true. They do. I don't know them. Yeah, I'm sure they're out there. And I, you know, I know one of the ways that I deal with grief, too, is humor. I am. Amen. You know, I I am always the one that makes an inappropriate joke. And usually, you know, I'll, I'll, I mean, my grandmother passed it much. My mom would probably be horrified to know this, but I, you know, was at work when I found out. And she was 92. She had not been doing well. We knew it was coming. Um, But, you know, it was still, it was my grandma, my Grammy. Um. But, you know, within like 10 minutes, I made some stupid joke about something, you know, and um, and my friends were just like, oh, my, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I, I grew up with Bob Saget. I don't, right. This is how I deal with things. I yes. don't know. <laughs> you know, this was like 10 years ago yeah. uh, when she passed. But it's just kind of my natural instinct, you know, to like just stick that pin in things. And I really do. I remember that being Bob. I remember watching, you know, him go through stuff, uh, him and Dave, you know, go through losing their sisters and things. And just these jokes that were, you know, that most people would say are dark or, you know, total gallows humor. And, and they were, but my God, there, there are so many of us out there that, ha- that like that is how we process pain is like, let me laugh at it because if I can laugh at it, it's not so scary. Yeah. And I didn't know that that was okay until right. or, until I met Bob and I yeah. saw oh my god some of the things and you know the things that he would say about his sisters even right you know because one died in her 30s and one died in her 40s right and just like the inappropriate jokes he would say about his sisters I in the beginning when I first met him I was like oh you can't say that right. see and, I I'm and, very much like Bob like nothing I'm nothing is sacrilegious but now nothing, now yeah. I get it right and now I do it too and it's funny I remember my sister Kimmy when she first started getting to know Bob and he would make these very inappropriate jokes she was like horrified at first right and and now she gets it too and she right. tells me all the time she's like I remember like I couldn't believe he would make these jokes about his sisters when right. they passed and and she's like, then when he passed away and I saw some of his friends doing it about him or like, right. I mean, I was making some inappropriate jokes. In a room full of comedians, I, I think it's going to be, you're going to be hard pressed to find anyone dealing right. with grief in A, a healthy manner, but but B, in, in a way that's not somehow just really fucked up right. and, and, and using humor to get through it. And then don't you sometimes make one of these jokes and then you're kind of like, you prove that, right, Bob? Like, oh, all the time. Like, you, like, you like that one. That was a good one, right, Bob? I always know. I'm like, I, I, I have a, a painting of Bob that someone did for me that was actually a really great painting from like, it's like based on one of the earlier Full House, you know, pictures or whatever. And um, I have it up in my office along with other Full House stuff. And uh, yeah, he's always sitting up there. And I, I definitely always look to him for uh, approval on some of my my uh, my worst jokes and um and i like i am so i'm so grateful that i got to understand at a young age what an incredible gift uh and tool humor is because i think without the ability to laugh at myself 
to laugh at situations, to laugh at, you know, whatever was put in front of me and be like, okay, but, you know, I'm just going to make fun of you because that's, <laughs> you know, then you're not so scary. Um, right. Like that was such a, a huge gift to me in getting through so many of the struggles and things that I went through because I could, I could be like, yeah, I'm a fuck up, you know, here we are, what are, you know, and like, and just laugh at myself. And it was like, it gave other people permission to just be themselves. And there wasn't, you know, something that we don't, we don't, we don't talk about that. You know that. what? I remember that with you when I first met you or, you know, some of the first times that I met you, I remember, you know, something would come up about, about it or, you know, somebody would offer you a drink or something right. like that. And like, you would make a joke about it. Yeah. And I remember it made me feel even more comfortable that like, oh, you know, good. That, like, here's a topic that's not necessarily off limits. Like no. she's comfortable with this if it were to come up. Right. Nothing. And I, nothing is off limits. I'm very much of, uh, of the mind that like, just bring it up. See what happens. What's the, you know. Yeah. See if I get mad or see not. If I, right. I mean, you know, uh, for forgiveness, not permission. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's just how I've always dealt with things. I'm like, look, if, if, if I can't make fun of it, then like, I'm just carrying this gigantic boulder around with me that's heavy and weighs a lot and isn't doing me any good. Right. I can laugh at it and laugh at myself and, and, you know, allow other people to, laugh at you know their own pain or sort of put it into perspective and right size and be like yeah this this is this is shitty but this is not permanent you know um I think uh, like once you can laugh at yourself and allow other people the space to do that like it just it makes this whole humaning business much easier humaning business (laughs) I like that would you say that then humor and laughter is for you the number one tool in getting through all of these hard times. Absolutely. Absolutely. Humor is the, is the thing that um, has always gotten me through some of my darkest stuff. You know, I remember I had a friend uh, who passed away that I had went to treatment with. And this is, my God, 20 years, 15, 17 years, 20 years ago now. Um, I don't even know how old I was. But it, he, we, I remember he and I and a couple other people would sit out on the balcony at night when we were in treatment and he would just, he could, he wasn't a, a comedian or anything. He, I don't know, owned some business, but he had like this memory for jokes, like long form, funny story jokes. And I would sit out on the patio in, you know, in rehab and just like thinking of how I had completely fucked my life up but I was able to still laugh and be like, you know what? Like, just like, don't lose that joy and the ability to have that joy in, in all of the darkness. Cause like, that's, that's the whole point, you know, is we survive the rough shit so that we get to the joy. And if you keep telling yourself you don't deserve the joy cause you're in the middle of the rough shit, then you're not going to give yourself anything to look forward to. 
Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. That brings me to something interesting that I have written down here. This is interesting. It's an interesting perspective that you had mm. mentioned in your book, actually. Oh. It said you'd made a conscious decision to be unhappy, and it was really hard for you to shift that perspective towards wanting to be happy. Was there mm. a moment where you were like, oh, God, everything just sucks, and it just sucks, and this is just how it's going to be? And then you're like, no, I need to really make this effort to— I. It's something that I have learned along the way, which is that I can— choose, you know, choosing to stay stuck, it, you know, might benefit me for a while. I might be getting something out of it. It might be, you know, but choosing to stay stuck or stay in the same um, repeating patterns and, you know, uh, uh, um, beating yourself up and all of that, like it doesn't, it doesn't serve me. It doesn't, it's not going to get me where I want to go, which is better. You know, I can't be better if I'm only in the worst of it. Um, and, you know, learning to, like, just kind of be patient with things, too. And, and, and you know, I, I meditate a lot. And a lot of it is just about being fully present. Like, sometimes I'll just have a moment where I'm, like, in the grocery store. Like, I'm like... Oh shit, look at all these people around. Like, hey, we're just like all doing a thing. You're doing a thing. You're doing a thing. Look at the guy in the deli. He's doing a thing. We're all just here. Holy shit, right now. Like, and I will just have these moments. Maybe like that's a crazy person. But, you know, I will have these no, moments I where I like, I will look around and be so fully present in my experience. And I go, I can be happy right fucking now. I can choose to, you know, maybe not be in the best circumstances and maybe be in pain, but I don't have to uh, wallow in it. You know, sitting in it and looking at it is different than wallowing in it and like allowing it to just, you know, you bury yourself in it. And I, I try to make a conscious choice to like choose to find the best in things. Um, and it's not always, you know, I, and, I, and I say that and, you know, my husband's probably like, <laughs> you bitter bitch, what are you talking about? Like, you were just having a total meltdown the other day. And I'll be like, it was my period. Um, <laughs> which uh, is also true. And, makes, and I will say there's seven days probably out of a month that I am just, just pessimistic. Everything's terrible. It's all going to hell. Hey, it's only seven I days. Suck. You suck. Everything sucks. That's it. Burn it all down. And then, like, I get through my cycle. I'm like, Everything's not so bad. Um, I hear you. Yeah. But, you know, I, I try and make that conscious choice to like, you know, what what is this 
what what is this solving? What what is me choosing bitterness, anger, negativity, judgment, whatever that that icky feeling is? What what is that doing for me to get me through a situation? Look, if I'm feeling anger and that's motivating me to go out and do my best, fine. If that's working for you for a little while, but it, that runs out of gas real right, quick. Right. So like. Now I've got to learn how to be like, okay, that, that would like, you know, got me going. I was a little frustrated, but now like, I don't know, I'm like happy. Like, this is awesome. And maybe, you know, chances are it's never going to look like what you, you know, thought you ordered up on the universal menu. <laughs> no, I say that all the time. I'm like, life does not care about your plans. No, you can't plan life. And I, I, that is one thing that I learned in, in sobriety and 12 steps, you know, and it's the one of the biggest principles is the powerlessness and not in a way where you're like, oh no, everything's happening to me. But it's like, look, I, I can walk out of here and get hit by a bus. Right. I mean, I could, I, I don't know. I don't plan on it. I'll look both ways, but anything could happen. Right. Right. And so I want to try and enjoy as much of it as possible because it, that's, like, that's where I find my ability to spread love and joy and happiness and feel like I'm shifting something, even if it's just one person, even if it's just the deli guy in the grocery store that day yeah. doing his thing. And I'm like, hey, man, how's it going? And talk, Look, there's the deli guy. There's the deli guy. He's doing his deli thing every right. day. And like, let me talk. How's your day? Right. Well, you know, it. this would make Bob very happy because he used to be a deli clerk. I know. I know. He and never I, missed an opportunity to talk about it. I'm sure. Well, he was very proud of it. Yeah. But, you know, these are, but that's the thing is like, I, I can choose to walk through the day and look for the ways in which the world is screwing me over or has broken my heart or has disappointed me. Or I can look around and I can be like, okay, where's my opportunity to help on a big scale, on a small scale? And also, how much of myself am I willing to sacrifice to pain? And that sometimes in your life, you're like, I, I got to give kind of a big part of myself to that because it's hurting a lot right now. At times I've gone like, no, I'm not, I don't want to choose to, to like, I'm not going to choose that. That's not, I, I can look at this differently. I just try to like take a different perspective and sometimes yeah. it works. Also having ADHD is great because I can be in like a huge fight and then like two days later be like, oh shit, that's right. I don't like you. Oh, well, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> right. Like yeah. I just like move on from stuff. So you know, I and I just well, I just think life's too short for that stuff. You know, yeah, it's like, happiness is a choice, and you're saying it is that a choice. Right. I mean, obviously, there are circumstances in which we find ourselves where that the the ability to just choose happiness is a very privileged thing, and <sighs> like look for the little ways in which you can look for the joy or the or in the moment, just be present and be like, all right, well, I'm in this skin suit, so I better make it as good as possible, even if it's yeah. just for the next, like, five minutes. Yeah, because um, then those five minutes can then perpetuate into right. the rest of the day. Right, and it really does. And I, you know, I've I've walked into rooms of recovery. I've walked into therapists. I've walked, you know, with a mindset of, like, pissed off and, you know, this is bullshit and why am I here and this isn't my problem and blah, blah, blah. Or I've walked in and been like, all right, well, we got some work to do. And I yeah. get a very different outcome. Yeah. What would you say are the things that other people have done for you that have helped you most? Whether it's, let's say, very specifically when, when we lost Bob. Maybe things that friends did to you that you're like, wow, 
wow, that was really helpful. That helped me get through my day. Or just in your life in general, like through the recovery process, what was most helpful to you? I will say that the thing that has been most helpful to me are the friends who allow me to be exactly as I am, who I am. And I find that that's the best way to have relationships is sort of with as few expectations of how someone else is supposed to be or do. And, you know, my friends, they know me well enough that I I will kind of go radio silent for a little while. And I, I tend to do sort of like introspection and then I come back out and, you know, and the thing that my friends have always done, whether it's, you know, full house castmates or, you know, close friends, my husband, you know, whatever is just reaching out and being like, Hey, I don't need anything from you. I'm just letting you know, like, thinking of you. Yeah. Please don't respond. That's always a big one. Do not. Don't respond. Don't give respond. Please give me the right. permission. I tell people, I, like, I will text people all the time. Don't respond to me. Like, actually, please don't. I just needed you to know this little bit of information or that I'm thinking of you or whatever. Like, I know you're busy. I don't really have much more to say. Just wanted to know, you know, I was thinking of you. And that kept me going through so many things because it just, it reminded me that no matter what, like, even if I'm not capable of asking for help at that moment, even if I'm not capable of finding joy in that moment or anything and everything feels fucking miserable, I know that I'm not alone. And I know that I don't have to do anything to earn it. I don't have to do anything to earn it back. I don't have to do anything. You know, it's not, uh, it's simply loving someone because they exist. And I am so grateful. I have a really wonderful group of friends and people in my life that do that. And I think, you know, I, I just look around sometimes. I think we all would be so much happier if we could love people where they're at and like not, and, and you know, and let them do what they're going to do, but not take it upon ourselves to try and fix or change and allow people to do that to us too. Like let people just love you. I had to really tell myself too, like you're not always a, a, a project. Right. You're not always the, you know, the patient or the, you know, one that needs help. Like sometimes you're just having a bad day and that's okay. And sometimes you're having a great day. So then that, then you get to be the person that just drops in on somebody and says, hey, thinking of you. You know, it's really about, I think, just honoring wherever you're at at the moment. And I, I try and do that on a daily basis. And it's one of the things that, you know, really is talked about in, in recovery so much is just really like the powerlessness and, and staying present in what is and riding the waves of whatever that might be. So giving yourself the space. And then if you're somebody helping somebody through grief, give them the space. Yeah, to I give just really be... long convoluted answers. I'm really sorry. I no, talking are and you then, kidding? Yeah. This is like, um, these are, ever, this is all but gold. But it's like, you'll ask me a direct question. No. I'll be like, hold on, give me 30 minutes. No, We're I have love a... it because every time you, you go down these roads, it's just these wonderful nuggets Thanks. of wisdom. And I really appreciate it. Well, I'm it's, sure, you know, somewhere in there is many, many hours of therapy. And <laughs> well, it's interesting because I've noticed from people who have been in therapy for, you know, 
a long time and they're like, they're able to, and I've never really done it. Mm -hmm. And I'm always so interested. I'm like, wow, you, it's like, you know, all these really interesting things. They're like, yeah, therapy. I'm like, oh, that's where it comes from. You know, but because you're able after so many years, you're really able to put this to use. It like really does sink in. I think it's, it's, you know, part of it, I'm fucking 42, you know what I mean? Like, I'm not 20 anymore, so I have my, the way I see the world is a little bit different. But I also, you know, it is, it's like, once you, like, for me, I mean, I have done therapy on and off since I was 13. And I would say the last three years of it, probably since, like, I started back during the pandemic when all hell was breaking loose in my house. From then on, I've dug in in a different way. And it's changed so much. And I finally, like, I don't go into therapy trying to be, like, the gold star, you know, therapy client. Like, am I, I'm, oh God, see, you know that's what I, mean? I feel like I would do. Yeah, I'd be like, I, I need your approval. I did it. For, I did it for years. I was like, let me go. And, and you know, I would talk about things, but it was like, I'm going to talk about this and it's going to be over here. And I'm going to talk about it a couple times. And then I'm going to tell myself I should be over this now and I should move on. And I'm not going to waste your time because that's silly. And so why are we even here? I'm going to leave. And that, <laughs> and, you know, and that was like how my therapy would go is I'd be like, okay, we talk about this a little bit. But then I would start telling myself, like, I don't like, want to bother you. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to bother you. She's not here about this shit anymore. Get over your childhood. What are you doing? And that would start. And I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing, I guess. I mean, you know, I'm just going to go away. And now I'm like, I, guess what? I am paying you to Right. Like, I'm going to tell you the same damn story over and over again if that's what it takes. And it doesn't. I talked about it the other day where it was like, you know, I find that therapy gives me the ability to look at things in my life in 3D to where, you know, without therapy, I can see it. And it's, it looks like I can see everything about this, you know, water box. Uh, mm -hmm. on the table but what therapy gives me the ability to do is walk around it and look oh shit there's writing here and there's another oh my god there's a whole back you know yeah and that's for me what therapy does is just it's the ability to like start walking around and like picking apart things and looking at it and that's a long process you know and Trying to understand um, from other people's perspectives right and other people's perspectives and also like i will go into therapy now and not be afraid to just be like <laughs> you know, because like some days I'm like that. I don't have I, this. I, I, that's just that's all I got. You know what I mean? It's just like, just like a what the fuck? And, you know, like and and I'll, and I can sit there in it. And that was something sitting in silence terrified me. I don't know if you can tell, but yeah, sitting in uh, sitting in silence was something that I was like, I, if I'm sitting in silence, it means I'm not entertaining. I'm not doing, I'm not making someone else, ha you know. That was Bob too. Oh, I know. He, could he and I talked never, about it a lot. He could never just not talk. I, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, he and I would just talk over each other yeah. about how we could not stop talking. <laughs> but he, he and I did, we got each other in that way. And, you know, there would be times that Bob and I would have a conversation and I, that would, you know how Bob was, you'd get that one little window when he kind of, like the, when the hummingbird pauses on the, you know, and like lights for a moment and you're like, ooh, you're here. <laughs> you know, yeah. and we would have a conversation and he, and it was like, I, I was like, I get you. I get how this, this is crazy and scary and it like, you know, and it's okay. And like, we had some really wonderful conversations like that. And, um, 
yeah, it, you know, it's, therapy is like this, this weird thing that I always thought you only went to when you were in the middle of like acute crisis. And I didn't realize it's the place where you sharpen your tools before you go into battle. You know? Okay, now I... (laughs) Now I want to go to therapy. <laughs> Jody, you made me want to go to therapy. You know, you wouldn't, I, you'd be surprised at how many people have said, Jody, you make me want to go to therapy. Um, at least three ex-husbands. No, I. In a good way, Jody. In a good way. Right. Uh-huh. Yes. You inspired me. How Thank about this? You. you didn't force me into therapy. You inspired oh, me to good, go to therapy. Oh, good, because that's a terrible way to get to No, because in. that's, it, it's so true. The way you just said, I've never heard anyone refer to it in I don't that know aspect. That I've ever and even said like I don't you, know where it's that giving that just came sharpening from, your I'm, tools before you go into battle. Well, Who know. are you? I don't even know. I don't know where that literally I don't know where that, that came was, from. <laughs> what? If you're, someone if someone genius. out there if That's someone amazing. out there has said that and I randomly read it, please like tag like be like, no, this is in my book. I'll be like, oh shit, that's where I saw it. I, or maybe I just right. made it up and I should write my own book. Um I'm impressed. It's I've learned like that's the place where I go to like figure out how I deal with shit before I have to go deal with shit, you know? And it's made all the difference because it's no longer like I'm trying to just fix and put Band-Aids on whatever's vexing me right now. It's like, no, how do I build up the, the, the stuff in here so that when I face a problem, you know, where I feel less than or I feel unheard or I feel whatever, like, oh, Oh, I've been working on that. I know how to do that now, you know? And, um, and it, it changed the entire way that I, that I approached how, what self-care and healing looks like for me because it, it no longer became something that had to be like, like, an, you know, actively digging a hole and really invo- It was like, oh, we're just kind of picking things apart sometimes and, you know, looking at a different view from up here. So interesting. I think the title of this episode should be called Kelly Decides to Go to Therapy. <laughs> Kelly spends two hours with Jody and decides to go to therapy. <laughs> Once again, you didn't drive me to okay. it. You inspired Inspire, me. Right. Driving <laughs> driving one to therapy and inspiring one to go are two entirely I mean, I might have you drive me to I'll therapy. I'll drive you okay. to therapy, yeah. yeah. Uh, I have a great therapist. She's wonderful. Um, I highly recommend her. Um, but yeah, it's... I'll, I'll, I'll get her number yeah, after. Okay, yeah, we'll talk done. after. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I just, I really, you know, I, I'm just so grateful for all the bullshit that I've been through. Like truly, truly grateful. Um, cause it's like, I, I would not be this person today without it. And I wouldn't be able to see who I want to be without all of it, you know? It's given me very clear ideas of what I want, what I don't want, um, and what's important to me. And, like, there's nothing like kind of losing everything and having things fall apart to really have you stand amongst the rubble and go, well, what's the shit I really want to save anyway? Like, what's actually important amongst all of this? Because, you know, usually we we don't let go of anything until it's burned down. You know, a very, you know— not very often are we willingly like, sure, here, take all of these things. You know, it, no, it's got to fall apart. And then we go, oh, yeah, it turns out I didn't need all this shit with me anyway. Yeah. So, well, you're a magnificent person. Why, and so, thank you. I think that this journey that you've been on obviously has led to a very good place. Um, yeah. I, I kind of like how it's 
kind of come full circle, and and I want to touch on your podcast for a second before we wrap up because, you know, once again, I know you you started the Fuller House journey so many years after Full House, but doesn't it still boggle your mind that like this all came around full circle and now you're even doing How Rude Tanneritos podcast? Like that it's still so relevant it's still so top of mind people still love it so much it's so it's part of society and it's never and bob would always say he goes it's never going anywhere it's It's a show that won't die it will never go anywhere it will never die and i what i will say too is i think there was a time period where we all kind of not not wanted it to go away but wished that maybe it was that it was just a little dip, you know what I mean? That like, oh, we're, this will always be this. And I think you know, and and what I have seen happen is through doing Fuller. I mean, even watching the guys, you know, in the beginning, Bob and John, like, kind of, well, we want to do it, but Danny Tanner and this and that, you know. And then they like came back and did it, and we're like, oh no, wait, no, 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 we love this. Oh my god, this is amazing. And we're like, yeah, but like, we all kind of walked through this like acceptance of who we were. And again, it was like that walking around it and looking at the other perspective instead of like, this is something that we're all the only going to be known as like, what a gift to be known for something so iconic, you know, and, and, and looking at it in, in a way of what it, you know, what it gave us. Um, and I think also just like these fans that have loved this show and have made it, television history with it it's it's unreal to me like that people around the world love this show and um i like i i now i'm just really i i celebrate it i'm so grateful to it i know how important it has been to a lot of people and i think that's the thing too when you do like a sitcom you're like yeah, it's, it's just it's been silly oh this is it's silly yeah this was something and it else is. it's totally silly but it's silly in a way that brings people together and like that type of human connection cannot be undervalued or underestimated. And uh, I was so grateful that we got to do it with Fuller. And I, you know, again, we ended right before the pandemic. We ended, you know, before we lost Bob. We Like it was like we got to have a send off and a togetherness and a moment before we wouldn't get that again. You know, it has brought us together it has brought you know caitlin into our family and billy and you know like all everyone's kids and extended family and like man that's that's a a really special gift well i just love that you and andrea still get to talk about it every week you just had dave on the other day we had jeff on i mean it's just it's so cool that it's it's still it's as Bob would say, it's never going anywhere. It's and never and going it really anywhere. isn't because like he would get stopped all the and I know you get this too. Obviously his was a little different because he was the dad. And so he would get it all the time. We would be in an airport and somebody would come up to him and just like start crying. Yeah. And just say, You don't understand. I didn't yeah. have a dad and you mm-hmm. raised me. Yeah. And really towards the end, like the last couple years, is when he really started to just completely embrace it when he stopped yeah. fighting all of the I don't want to be I don't Danny want to be Tan- Dan- right I think we Danny all Tanner kind of anymore. went like oh you know what right and screw it right and he really did embrace it and all those people coming up to him you know especially at the very end he was so grateful and appreciative and um 
you know, I just, I love seeing now like you and Andrew doing your podcast and Dave it's doing so his fun. podcast. I mean, I just, I it's love it. It's really fun. Because no, no one wants it to go away. No one wants it to go away. Uh, it's not going away. Right. And it's been so much fun to go back and rewatch these episodes with, um, with Howard Tanneritos and not even rewatch because like, and watch the show growing up. So, and Andrea didn't really that either. That always boggled my mind. Like, because Bob said he had never watched it. I know Mary-Kate and Ashley said they'd, I don't think they, I think they said they had never watched any of them. Yeah. And I think maybe Candace watched a little bit, because I would I think see so, yeah. on like her Instagram, she would say like, oh, I watched. Yeah, she watched, right. yeah. Candace said she but, watched it, but again, it was like, mm-hmm. I did it, I'm done, I've moved on. I was also a kid, but I also like, I, I, I do think a, a big piece of it was like this resistance to, you know, I got bullied growing up and like, you know, as much as I loved the show, there were, you know, there was bullshit that went along with it. So I think there was a part of me that was like, oh, I just don't, I want to like not, you know, have that. And then it was like, once you just kind of settled into that, like, it's great. Like, it's been fun. I love getting right. to be Steph. I love, you know, getting to be kind of America's middle sister with the, you know, fantastic uh, sparkly hat and you know, <laughs> great catchphrase. Like, I'm, I'm down with it. It's great. How rude will be on my urn, you know? My favorite thing to tell people, and I mean, I know you know this, but how much Bob loved them. And I remember when you walked into my house that day, it was the first thing I said to you was, Bob loved you so much. And it's still always my favorite thing to tell people. And, you know, he loved you very, very, very much. And sorry that at the very end of the show is when I'm going to make you cry here, but it's true. And it's so, it will always be my favorite thing to do is to tell people that because there's something very special about when you know that that man loved you very, very much. Yeah. So he did. And he, uh, and he made sure to tell you, he yeah. made sure to tell you. And, uh, I said, I, I have had some wonderful conversations with Bob. Um, and you know, he was always like my, my TV dad, my second dad. So, uh, I always miss him. And, um, I'm so glad that he told everybody how much he loved him because yeah. there was not nothing, nothing left unsaid. Nothing was left unsaid with him, and I'm so grateful for that. And that's a lesson that I'll always take with me: is like when you love somebody, you tell them. Yeah. But I'm just so happy that I was, you know, on the periphery, but brought into the family as well. And I'm forever grateful for you guys, yeah. and I love you very much. Judy. I love you too. And thank you for you being here and letting me oh feed you gosh. grilled cheese and I'm tomato soup. So, I'm thrilled. Like, I, I mean, obviously it worked. I was, I, we've had a whole emotional conversation. Yeah. You're going to therapy. I'm, I'm going crying. To therapy. Fuck. Like, yeah. Oh. Who knew what grilled cheese was capable of? Brings people together. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love you so much. Love you, thank Kelly. You. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. In the studio today, we enjoyed a classic grilled cheese with some tomato soup. If you're looking to make some tomato soup at home, here's a recipe. In a pot over medium heat, melt some butter and saute your onion until soft and gold. Then add garlic and cook that for a minute or so. Add two cans of crushed San Marzano tomatoes and stir to combine. Then add some chicken stock, chopped basil, salt and pepper. And this is a little trick that I use, just a teaspoon of sugar to balance out the acidity of the tomatoes. Partially cover your soup pot and simmer for 10 minutes minimum. Then use either an immersion blender or a regular blender to mix the soup so it's nice and smooth. Then add some heavy cream and Parmesan and serve. If you didn't catch all that, be sure to check the show notes for the recipe. Buon appetito and see you next time. Comfort Food is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Acast. Our executive producers are Fanny Baudry, Cassie Berman, Leah Sutherland, and yours truly, Kelly Rizzo. Our audio producer is Chiara Noni. 
Special thanks to Camila Goldenberg and Riley Oville Rank for production assistance. Our audio engineer is Matthew Blocka. Our editor is Nick Carismi. This podcast is hosted by me, Kelly Rizzo. If you like the show, please rate us five stars and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com